Hello, my name is Paul Owen, and this is the Sales Talent Podcast. Welcome to the Sales Talent Podcast. This is Series 3, and we're going to focus exclusively on women in sales. Why so? Well, women are underrepresented in sales, and for the sake of all of us, I suspect that needs to change. We'd like to play our part in righting that wrong by focusing 100% on women for this series. So who am I talking to in this episode? Well, I'm going to let each guest introduce themselves in this series, but let me give you a bit of a flavor of the person you're about to meet. This episode's guest is uh, a dual national with British and Portuguese heritage. Uh, She spent the first half of her life in the UK and now lives in Portugal. In her time in the UK, she worked in quite a wide range of senior sales roles in London across tech, finance and compliance, amongst others, with names such as uh, Navex, Bloomberg, Reuters and HSBC. Having started in Pure BD, she ended as a strategic account director, handling a single account that was worth a cool $100 million. Nowadays, based in Lisbon, she wears three hats. And I think each one has a theme of inspiring others to achieve greatness, particularly in sales. First of all, she's the founder of Sales Shaker, a leading annual B2B sales conference in Lisbon that focuses on innovation in our world. Secondly, she's a senior executive at Nova SBE, a university-led professional center for strategic selling. Uh, based at one of Europe's leading universities. And finally, she's the founder and MD of Lead Results, a professional training and coaching consultancy that focuses on, you guessed it, sales. She's done pretty much every job in sales and by all accounts, done them very well. Let's find out who she is. Please introduce yourself. Helga Sareva Stewart, um, sales education or champion for sales education uh, for Sales Shaker. What's your favorite thing about sales? Everything. What has made you successful in sales? Perseverance, determination, and a great smile. And what would you change about the world of sales? Um, it's one of the reasons why I like it so much is because there's so much to change. So it keeps us busy, right? Paul? Um, but the main thing I would change about the world of sales would be um, people, more people willing and committed to transition to value selling. And what would you like to talk about today? Oh, shall we talk about cold calling? Great. Helga, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the Sales Talent Podcast. Thank you for having me. Brilliant to have you here. We met uh, about a year ago when you hosted that fantastic Sales Shaker event, which was you uh, phenomenal. I'm sure, oh we're gonna, I'm sure we're going to come back to that. Obviously, I can't talk to somebody so much further south in the UK without asking if the sun is shining today. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I don't know if this is an omen, but it has been so hot in Portugal. And today is the first day that's raining. And I'm, I'm talking with you. 
Oh, outrageous. <laughs> One day of rain, huh? One but you know what? Rain. I miss the rain. You know, I, I love gardening. And this is a perfect day for me, a typical London day. It couldn't be more perfect of a weather to be talking with you, Paul. <laughs> There's a link. Okay, so we've done the British small talk about weather. And we're going to talk about cold calling. Now, you sent me a range of different things. So there's lots of things I know you can talk about, but we agreed to talk cold calling today. Um, why cold calling? Do you know, cold calling seems to still be uh, that thorn on the rose um, of sales and selling. It's just such a, you know, debatable topic. Everybody has opinions about it, and they're not just opinions. They tend to be strong opinions. And, you know, just like this event, Cell Shaker, I do like to shake things up, and I know you do too. So why not? I mean, let's just go straight to what's... Uh, to, 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 you know, what tends to be what most people either fear or love, you know, mm. love or love, love. Yeah. Well, I think it's particularly pertinent, especially around some of the work you do. I know there's lots of different things you do and some of the work I do, which is um, helping people at the early stage of their sales career. And in many, many cases, they do start in cold calling. So I think, I think it's a, a, I mean, you don't need to do that. I've worked with many experienced salespeople that cold call as well, uh, and, and I do it myself. So where do you want to start? So I think around everything is a, well, at least two things. There's a mindset side and there's a skill set side. All right. Where, where do you want to start? You talked about it being a challenge. So where, where do you want to start on the challenges? Well, let's start with the biggest challenge. Let's start with mindset. That's where everything begins in sales, right? Absolutely. Okay. So what's the mindset? What's the mindset challenge, should I say? So the mindset challenge is the one thing that I would love to see change in sales generally, which is really a move uh, of, of the paradigm and the status quo, which still persists with so many sales professionals, which is to be very product centric. Um, and especially when initiating conversations that lead to new opportunities, um, you know, starting with the product is 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 really limiting uh, when when kickstarting conversations, and it really all begins with the mindset. Salespeople work so hard at getting to know their products and services and solutions, and they become so technical at it, and then they forget that in order to begin a conversation with another human um, that doesn't know you. And frankly, it doesn't have time for you, not interested in you, your company, your product, or your service. What do you possibly what can you possibly say to that person that can quickly create rapport with her and can encourage that person to want to talk with you? And the answer is very simple: talk about what they care about. And that really is the essence of, of um the mindset that's based on value, uh, on value selling, and also as well with an understanding that you do really need to come into this conversation knowing about the world of this person, understanding the world of this person. And this is seriously lacking. This knowledge is seriously lacking. And it's really the beginning of everything is how well do you know the person and the reality and the world of the person that you're speaking to? And then when you want to engage in a new conversation with this person, how skillful are you in, in very few words 
showing to this person that you are focused on what's interesting to them and not you. And then the third thing is you have to know what, why this person would choose to work with you because you do what you do to help them to achieve their goals and not your own in a differentiated way. And, you know, we could go back, come back to this differentiated way. But that is, that's that whole sentence, there is a lot in that sentence, Paul. There is. I want to, I mean, uh, we could have a dissertation on that answer, Helga. I want to pick up, and I come back to differentiation. And um, one thing you just said there, I want to come back to short, uh, quickly now, is you talked there about getting something across to people quickly, because when, it, when any interaction starts, there's a limited amount of time, right? And in quite a bit of the work I do with sales teams, and I wonder if you find the same, is sometimes people do really poor introductions, where what they've put first is the speed of the introduction. And I say it's a bit like fast food. There's a difference between fast food, and there's a difference uh, between that and really great food that you can make quickly and the point about the way we you know the whole call but particularly at the beginning of a call which is the hardest bit I think in in cold calling it's not about doing it quickly it's about doing it really well and putting across value showing but but doing that as quickly as you can yes but also I, I think there's also another element that I think it's very important to this you know to baking this wonderful cake which is having a purpose you know, you, you, everything that you do in sales has a purpose. And you, you, you need to understand when you are cold calling, you're not selling. You are not selling, right? Um, you are, in fact, let me rephrase that. You are always selling. You are always doing discovery. You are always closing. You are always selling. But your purpose for that cold call is to sell on that person's time to meet you. Nothing else. Or if you're calling just to exchange a few words and, you know, gauge some information, then that's your purpose. But that's it. You know, it's not to sell. And, and, and we are not talking, obviously, we're excluding the situations where the product that you sell is transactional and your cold calling, you know, is for selling. You know, there are certain solutions where you literally have to sell on that cold call. So can we exclude those, please, Paul? We're talking about yeah, sort of the yeah. regular, you know, um, solution selling where your product has, you know, is not transactional and you're doing the more consultative educational sale. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. okay so go. have a purpose. Have a yes. purpose. And understand okay. your purpose. And then be straight. Have a structure. Go through it. Uh, slowly your speech how you deliver your words is very important be swift be assertive be confident be calm be collected and have a very you know uh, uh, poised uh, voice about you um and yeah and just deliver right so there's the mindset. So it starts with purpose. Uh, I, I wrote, wrote belief. Like I've, always, I've always felt like my favorite definition of selling of any kind is the transfer of enthusiasm, uh, which you were the embodiment of when I first met you around Sales Shaker. <laughs> With like lots of be- bouts of pain and suffering. Wow. When, when, Don't forget that. Be- yeah, it's why, listen, it's why entrepreneurs, even when they can be technically bad salespeople, tend to be very good because they're so passionate they have such belief such enthusiasm when they can where they can then suffer i think is when they just expect their staff to have that as well uh, and it's it's a slightly different dynamic so moving on from the mindset and I, I agree it's it's 
the biggest part. And if you don't get the mindset right, right then the, the rest is a problem. But you you made several references in your last answer of a, of a bunch of different things that felt like they were then bleeding into skill set. Um, so let's assume the mindset's there. They've got that purpose. Uh, it's that um, um, conundrum of you're not selling, but you're always selling, which I think is one of the elements around sales, right? You're kind of doing mutually opposite things at the same time. That's right. What what are the skill sets that, that that people need to do it productively? So to me, there are two types. You know, you've got the soft skills and you've got the hard skills. And so let's just very quickly run through the soft skills that to me are very important to be present and that are present, that I see them being present in professionals like yourself um, and all around the world, you know, the best in the world. And there is these are people that you guys have got a very high. Um, emotional intelligence, very high, uh, you know, level of emotional intelligence. Um, the communication skills have have got to be there. You 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 know, communication is such a big word, but it, you know, you, you have to. Um, the other one that I think is massively undervalued is critical thinking. I don't know where critical thinking has gone, um, but it's seriously needed in sales. Um, and then we've got the, you know, old-fashioned empathy. But if empathy has ever had a place in sales, it's never had more of a place in sales today. And Paul, and to all your listeners out there, when I talk about empathy, I'm not talking about sympathy. You know, this thing about cold calling and starting a cold call with, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. Oh, I hope you're pandemic and la la. With all the all the respect in the world for everyone who suffered and is suffering because of and still because of this terrible thing that we went through. Empathy is not turning around to your prospect. And, and sympathizing with their situation. They don't need your sympathy. They need your understanding of their reality. They need you to come back with ways in which they can improve where they are at the moment, where they can improve and safeguard and protect the sustainability and grow the sustainability of their business. That is your role. That is empathy. And people, salespeople are not doing the most basic of things, which is understanding their client. It's it's critical. Mm. So that is a huge, huge point that I wanted to make there. And then on the soft skill, on the hard skills, um, your skills at prospecting and you know your cold calling, dealing uh, leading uh, dealing with objections. And for those of us who do consultative educational selling, really the magic of selling is at discovery. So when you understand your sales process, and by the way, you should have one, even if it's the most simplest of sales processes in the world with two, three, or four stages, I don't care. But if you do consultative selling, you should have discovery very well specified in your sales process because that's where the magic of the sale actually happens. It's at discovery. So you've got to be amazingly good at discovery. And then, of course, you've got your negotiation and presentation and so on. And which is the bits that is most likely to stop people being successful when they first start doing it? Oh, oh, can I say two? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all is, you know, not having the door slammed in your face. That's a real skill. 
right? So the, the very initial uh, approach, when you say hello to someone, um, it's a, there's a real skill um, in that. And, you know, you don't have a second opportunity to make a first great impression, um, that old chestnut. And then secondly, at discovery, Paul, I, I, I have, I have no, you know, you go to the negotiation table, you go to proposal with nothing if you haven't done great, great discovery. Uh, something will happen very likely. You're going to fight over your margins. You're going to have to give up on your margins and you have to offer discounts because they're going to, <laughs> they're going to fight you on that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I, I often, um, the way I train salespeople, which I won't go into in detail here, because this is about you uh, and not me. But, you know, there's a process, like you said, earlier, there's a structure to the way you um, put conversations together. And, you know, I think we all probably think the same thing in sales. There's a, there's a way you introduce yourself is the first step. And then there's what you've referred to today as the discovery phase, the asking questions and so on. And I try and say to people, listen, nothing happens until you can make that step two happen. And, and step two doesn't happen if you don't do step one. Uh, and so it is a step-by-step -step process. And I think what so often happens, and going back to an earlier point you made, which I think was spot on, is yes, having belief in your product matters. But if all you do is call people up and you share that belief with them and that belief alone, it just becomes the, the essence of what we all dislike about sales, even those of us in sales, where you're just talking at me instead of talking with me. So can we just remind the listeners about that bit that we were saying earlier? Nobody, your buyer does not care about you. Your buyer does not care about your company. Your buyer does not care about your product and service. Your buyer cares about one thing, and it is what you do for them. That's what your buyer cares about. Why on earth are you talking about your passion? Your passion is something that's in, in, in inherent in how you speak, in how you emphasize things, in, in how you interact, your body language. That's all inherent. Your passion comes through by your personality, through your personality, right? It's your knowledge that gets you across the way. It's, it's all of those soft skills and hard skills that we just talked about. That's what gets you through and encouraging the person that you want to connect with to want to talk with you. Paul, let's not forget, people buy, and we are all the same, people buy for their reasons and not our reasons. So why on earth are we talking about what we think it's, you know, that characteristic or that product or that solution, or worse still, please, Mr. Bayer, tell me about what you need so that I, who am so nice to you, because after all, I'm still focused on relationship selling, um, can then shape a solution to your needs. That's, that's not what selling is about today. And challenges started all this a few, you know, last decades, you know, 10 years ago, whenever it was that beautiful challenger came out. And ever since we've had different iterations of that, but it's pretty much saying the same thing. You know, it's challenging your customer. It's about ultimately helping your potential client to look at their own reality in a different way. And also before anything happens, you need to understand that you need to influence that person to want to change what they do at the moment right? Because selling is about change. You're asking them to, first of all, you're asking them to change. Sorry. First of them, you're asking them to consider changing what they do at the moment. And then you are asking them to change to you. And those are two different things. 
goes back to the mindset, goes back to the hard skills and the soft skills. So yeah. much to say about this. Yeah. You talk there about uh, discovery. Um, you didn't use that that framing, but you talk about you know getting to know them and getting to know, and you said you we're asking them to, to look at their reality in a different way. And it reminded me of something I often think about in sales, which is, I think sometimes people misunderstand discovery as just asking questions. Now, clearly, it is asking questions, but there are good oh. questions and there are good questions and there are bad questions. And no, so it's on. asking. It's about asking intelligent questions. Exactly, and it's when you get those questions. And it just, you reminded me with that phrase about changing their reality of a question that you ask somebody, and it makes them sort of sit back in their chair and go, "Oh, wow, yeah, not really thought about that." Now we're in the game. Now we've got a conversation. Whereas some of the basic That's the questions. That's Sorry. Perfect. Yes. So you need some basic questions and, and they need to happen as well. But it's when you really get them engaging, get them thinking, get them challenged uh, yourself that you can then move them forward. Um, my fault at this point, but I feel like we've been talking, guided by my questions around the challenges of, say, of selling through cold calling. What about the benefits? Because we do it for a reason, right? There's a, there's a good reason why cold calling is, is uh, despite predictions for 20 years now, Helga, that cold calling is dead. <laughs> um, I think it's even more powerful than it was because fewer people are actually doing it. It's part of the reason, I think, or doing it well. So what are mm. the benefits of cold calling? And you can either take that from the point of view from the business or the point of view as a person going into sales or both. Look, I mean, I, I, I love that question. Um, I don't think I have been asked that question before. It, it's, um, I love that. Um, look, cold calling is not the silver bullet. Is not meant to be a silver bullet, especially in today's age of the digital, you know, more empowered, digitally, you know, driven buyer. Um, the world of omni-channel that we live in is a world where really you have to meet your potential buyer where they hang out, where they live, where they chat. Um, and the, the telephone is, is a very powerful tool generally to advance the opportunity throughout the sales process, okay? Um, for example, I'll, I'll give you an example of how I feel that cold calling has changed. So the benefits of cold calling is that it uses the phone, but really if we think of the phone as the means by the channel by which I have a real-time conversation with you or a semi-real-time conversation with you, like WhatsApp, I mean, maybe we don't call WhatsApp the phone, but for example, yesterday, um, I was trying to reach somebody who I haven't spoken in about a year and we had a really great conversation a year ago and, you know, we agreed that we would sort of catch up again this year. This person is really busy, really busy, very, very, it's a very cool cat. <laughs> I can say that. Very cool cat. Um, so cool that I can't say their names. All right. It's that okay. cool. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I sent him an email and, uh, cause I know he's busy and, and he didn't reply. You know, I, I'd left a couple of days. He didn't reply. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of be a little bit more in his face. So I sent him a, a video via WhatsApp. Okay. And he replies, you know, and I know calling him would have been would have not been the right thing because I know he's in meetings all day. Um, he's got a very public office. You know, it, it just wouldn't be the right thing to do. And I wanted to respect that of him. I wanted to respect that. 
But I videoed myself. I did a video message and I sent it via WhatsApp. And, you know, and he replied. And it was all about the content. It was all about straight to the point. So I suppose, look, the benefits of cold calling is the spirit of cold calling, which is about being able to advance an opportunity through the stages of your process. And so if at the beginning, if, if I'm at the very beginning of my sales process and I need to sort of just say hello to you and, and book a meeting with you, if I need, you know, I'm going to use email, I'm going to use telephone, I'm going to link LinkedIn you, I'm going to social media, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to try and meet you at an event, right? I'm going to try and meet you through a friend. The, you know, the call calling is... We Todd Capone, right, who is one of the speakers at Sell Shaker, he, he said something, he's a, a guru of, you know, he studies sales and the history of sales. It's so interesting to hear him. He says, us human beings, we have been able to systematically screw up every single channel that has been put to our disposal that we use to connect with people. We've, been, we've screwed that up. I mean, you know, cold calling, telephones can be blocked, phone calls can be blocked, emails can be blocked, anything can be blocked. Why? Because salespeople, mediocre salespeople, have made a nuisance out of it. Mm. The benefits of cold calling are the benefits of any other channel, which is use it wisely because it is the tool that helps you to move things along. It's the real time tool that helps you in a very powerful way to move your deal across the different stages. But you're not going to do it alone. WhatsApp, LinkedIn, you know, email, um, whatever it is, right? Events. Um, you have to find the balance. You have to use all of the weapons in your arsenal. But the most powerful one is the phone still, in my view. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I also feel, and this this is a, a feel thing, Helga, rather than data, although there may be data out there, but um, the nature of speaking to somebody direct is uh, more difficult than doing a considered email when you have time to sort of work out what you're doing. And therefore, if you want to stand out, you're more likely to stand out in a more difficult discipline. That's true. But, but you know, I mean, look, if selling was for everyone, everybody would be doing it. It wouldn't be the, you know, the incredible profession that it is. Like any profession, it requires a certain level of skill. And frankly, I, I, I love to associate the best sales performers to elite sports people. I mean, it's just exactly the same, right? You look at Olympians. We always have an Olympian at Sales Shaker because of that, because it's the exact same mindset, right? When you're not, when an Olympian, um, you know, is, is not good at some, when, when a sports person is not good at a particular part, a particular element of their sport, they, they go away and they practice. You know, I, I remember Alex Gregory, um, our beloved champion, rowing champion at Sail Shaker 2019. I remember him saying, you know, before I won my first Olympic medal, right, I, uh, I, I had a little, I had an issue with, with my stamina. I had an issue with my weight. I needed to put weight on, right? My coach at the time, he changed coaches and my coach said, look, take three months off. And he did. He stopped everything. He went and started eating differently, he pulled on weight, and lo and behold, he won his first medal, right? You work at it, 
You, you, know, you work at whatever you're not good at. That real-time interaction takes time to perfect. Embrace it. Embrace the mistakes that you make. Seek you know, your team to work with. Go to the events. Speak to other salespeople. Listen to professionals. Listen to these podcasts, right? Learn. Better yourself. But freaking out. Be good at it, right? You've, you've got to be good at it. If, if, if people resort to the non-real-time sequences in the cadence because it's easier to get rejected mm. right if you if you understand why it is that you're being rejected because you're not being client centric because your message is not pointing to the client it's about you and it shows that all you're interested in is in selling rather than helping that person to win then why should that person care about you you would be the same if the shoe was in the other foot so understand where rejection comes from. Understand that this is a job that embraces rejection anyway. That's why I mean, it's, it's, it's about celebrating. Selling is about celebrating all these successes with, you know, with enormous bouts of <laughs> defeat and, you know, lots of crying and sacrificing and being very sad most of the time. And then you celebrate these victories, mm. these achievements. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was fantastic, all of that, Helga. And one particular element, uh, as you were in the middle of there, that the, the, the link that you'd already made between uh, it is a good link, sales and sport, is also, and this bit I think is overlooked quite often, that people can be quite good at sports because they just, just, just picked it up, right? They, they played a little bit and they got quite good and perhaps they haven't been coached properly. And so to get, I think you can be unconsciously good to a certain level. And then at some stage, not everyone, there's always exceptions, but for most of us, you need to switch to being consciously good, not just unconsciously good. And that's what the, the Olympic athlete was doing there is actually with a coach breaking down. Hang on. I often see it in sales and people say um, they might win a deal or they might win a meeting. Let's, let's stay with cold calling. They get through to somebody and they win a meeting. And I do a lot of work with teams that do that kind of, uh, that kind of business. And I'll listen back to calls with them. And so I've got to be realistic with you. That was a poor call. You got a meeting in spite of yourself, not because of yourself, and that's fine. You know, it goes up on the board, and you, and you, you know, it's your deal if it goes forward. But when you consciously understand what great looks like, you know if you did it well, whether you win or whether you lose. Yes, yes, and that is the difference between, um, you know, uh, uh, not having a cadence, not having uh, a process. And, and, and the sale kind of happens by luck and going after opportunities and making opportunities, reacting to demand instead of actually generating demand. You know, the best sales professionals around the world, they know how to generate an opportunity probably out of thin air, what most mortals would think looks like thin air. Um, but in order to do that and to have that level of skill, again, oh my gosh, there I go talking about again about the client. What am I obsessed? But you need to understand your client. And I am not talking about needs. When you understand what problems this person would love values eliminating, what risks this person values reducing what opportunities they would love to be able to enjoy or identify but that they can't yet because 
they're not working with you, or what results they would love to achieve, but they haven't been able to because they're not working with you. When, when that, when your mindset is on that, and when your conversations are based on that, then you can, then you are encouraging the person to open up to you in a way that allows you to diagnose the situation. Oh, oh, there comes discovery. And when you, when you are then helping, when you then put that into context of what the current reality of that person is and what the future reality of that person is, because what your product or a solution does is that it helps that person to achieve, materialize that future situation, then you are generating an opportunity. And it's something that you created. That person didn't pick up the phone and said, uh-oh, I was looking at your website. Can you explain me this and that and the other? You generated that out of thin air, which there wasn't thin air, right? I hope that I hope that made sense. I think it's the most uh, wonderful reply to the question I asked some time ago, which is what are the benefits of cold calling? Because what you just talked about there was like a feeling of magic happening. And it's not magic, right? It's a, like all it's magic, there is no magic. There's a process that you go through to give the feeling of magic. And that's what happens and, and absolutely um, makes my own point better than I did of just being able to consciously create that and get to the end thing. I made that happen. I didn't invent their need, but I made them realize their need. I made them realize the pain that's being solved or the value that they're getting from this next solution. And, and that feels like magic. And that feels like, like, oh, my goodness, I spoke to Helga and it really helped me. And I got this, that and the other. That's the magic. Yeah, and and that happens at Discovery, by the way. We we should we should have a chat about Discovery, Paul. I I love talking these things with you, right? Um, because this skill in cold calling um, is it also you know cold calling Discovery. Uh, it, it it all goes hand hand in hand, um, but you can either be somebody who is going after. You know, either you react to demand, or when you're asking, when you're following, when you're when you're focused on somebody's needs, you are asking. This is what people need to understand, right? If if I'm focused on your needs, Paul, then I am literally relying on you out of diagnosing yourself. You that are running your own business, putting out your own fires, dealing with your own customers and your own things going on. You know, I am asking you, you need to auto-diagnose yourself and you need to tell me what you need so then I can, oh, oh, shape a little solution for you, mm. right? Generating demand is different. Generating demand requires that I understand your world so well, even better than you do. And I can help you to get to the future reality that you want to be in, that you wish, your wishes and your wants. That, by the way, you value, not me. And, and, and there's so much in it just on this little sentence. But when you understand that sweet spot, then you have made a sale out of nowhere. And not only that, but that person now sees you as a partner. That person now sees you as somebody that they invite to sit at their table and be part of their internal conversations. And, and that is even more valuable. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I will take you up on that offer to talk again because I'm going to wrap you up on cold calling now and move on to our other topic. But I will uh, come back to you if you'll be so good to give uh, me and our listeners your time and bring you back to talk about uh, discovery. But we're going to part cold calling for now and we're going to talk about women in sales.
Love. Okay, so I recognized uh, crazily that uh, after doing two series of the podcast and having interviewed 25 business leaders for my book, Elgar, that I'd fallen into the same trap as almost everybody in sales and I'd underrepresented women. In fact, if I take you back to when I was writing my book, which was like 2016, 2017, and um, I, I went out to the market and contacts and so on, and I realized I was nine business leaders in and every single one um, was a white uh, man, uh, middle-aged, probably middle-class. Uh, and, and I think there's something in that, but and I did get women. I did get a, an equal representation in the book between women and men, but I had to go and ask the women directly and personally, whereas the men came forward. So I didn't want to make, and I don't want to make this chat purely about women in sales because I thought that makes it too, uh, you know, we don't ask men about being in sales, we ask women. But it's such a glaring omission, such a glaring disparity in the, you know, the number of women in sales, far better than it was, but still quite significantly uh, different. Um, why are there fewer women in sales than men, do you think? Uh so this question, I'm going to need you. I'm going to need. I'm going to need you to help me with something. Are we talking about in the UK? Are we talking about Portugal? Because, you know, I think culture plays a big part. Well, that's a bit. Yeah, it's a great question. So in my head, I tend to think about the UK, and I guess I've asked a few people in the states about this. Um, but yeah, I mean, tell me if it's different in Portugal, please do. Well, I mean, you know, I lived. I'm British. I lived 25 years in London. I love London. London is my home. Um, it is my home. Um, and I love being in Portugal. Um, I absolutely love it here. Um, look, sales, unfortunately, has inherited this great big massive negative reputation. Um, I actually think, and somebody like Cynthia Barnes, who you'll remember, right, from Sales Shaker last year, um, she's a powerhouse man. I mean, that woman speaks. I, I just want to melt into hot chocolate, nice and warm. Uh, honestly, she's so amazing. Um, but, you know, that there are certain characteristics that us women have that just give us a, bit of, a little bit of an edge um, in sales. Interestingly, you know, I did a benchmark. Um, we created the first sales maturity index here in Portugal, and I was looking at the results. We're actually going to publish them at Sales Shake. But, you know, the, 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 in terms of performance, the level, the performance results are more or less the same, but women take a little bit of an edge in most variables, which was very interesting to see, um, especially because in terms of the respondents, there were less women than men. Okay. Um, so it was quite interesting to see. Look, um, I think there's a little bit of culture here. Um, I really think that sales has been one of those really nasty professions that require a certain um, asset, you know, being assertive, you know, people associated with being quite um, confident and quite a strong minded person. And God forbid women being associated with these words, you know, being assertive, being strong, God forbid. Um, but it's, you know, the company is giving its face to its market, you know, and when companies are led, historically speaking, by men, um, who are you going to put talking to other men? You know, you're going to put men. Uh, I think there's just so many variables. I just thank the Lord that I think companies are slowly 
and I mean slowly, understanding that really it's not about gender, it's not about, you know, what it's not nowadays, it's not even about what country you're in, because you know, digital nomads really is quite such an interesting topic nowadays. You know, Amazon could be any company could be hiring anybody anywhere because you just have your laptop there. Does it matter if you're a woman, a man, or if you're in Portugal or in Timbuktu, it, it really doesn't matter. It's about the soft skills and the hard skills that we talked about before, and much more right? that we talked about before. Um, but I do feel, culturally speaking, that women need, some women still need confidence, external confidence, to build what they need inside of them to feel that they can do this job. So number one, we need to clean up this reputation in sales so that more women can come into it. And then on the other end, women really, some women really still need to build that confidence from external factors because they're not finding it in themselves to build that confidence that's needed to do this job. I agree with that. And I think it's overlooked. And, and I used to do quite a bit of recruitment, Helga, which I don't do anymore. I've, I've outsourced that to a business partner. Um, but the number of times a client would come to me and say, we know we're not allowed to say this, but can you please get us some, some female candidates for the job? And I thought, well, it's hard enough to find good people without you actually counting half or maybe more than half of candidates out of the equation. But what I'm thinking of as you talked there was very often, I think they didn't make it a, an environment that was very welcoming to anything other than oh, yeah, relatively aggressive that. young men. Yeah, and so I remember why that. is a, a young, I don't know, 18, 19, 21, 22 year old woman wanting to go and work there when it's so, it's like a, I don't know, the, the worst idea of a, of a boy's day out. Yeah, well, it was. Uh, I mean, uh, this is the generation before mine and I'm not gonna tell you my age, but I'm over 45. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I remember in the um, late 90s, early noughties, um, I remember, because I was working in the city, I worked in the city all my life, and um, I remember stories from my previous, from my predecessors, and this is these are from men, you know, of things that used to go on on the, you know, on the, on the trading floors in some companies and so on. Um, where women were seriously, you know, there was definitely, there was lots of things going on, negative things going on. Mm. But we have, but, but then the, another interesting thing happened is that I noticed my generation, my colleagues around me, I noticed that certain women were, you know, and I wasn't, you know, I've always been very assertive, very confident. Um, but I always tried, I suppose, unconsciously to still be feminine and feel feminine, right? I'm a girly girl, right? Let's not be, mis I'm a very girly girl. But I remember a lot of my colleagues, you know, they they were, you, you'd, be, you'd be looking at men, men in skirts, you know, and loud men, not even the nice profile of men, like the really, and um, yeah, they would drink you under the table. They would, uh, yeah, they would, um, you know, they would look. And so it's nice that, it's not just about women's empowerment. It's also about, look, it's just about being who you are, embracing your personality, embracing your femininity if you're a woman um, or a man, for Pete's sake, um, and just getting on with the job of helping your company to win, helping your customer to win. Mm. 
Do you think there's any benefits in being a woman in sales? Definitely. <laughs> Come on, tell me. <laughs> Listen, I would tell you if there was only women listening, but I know there aren't. <laughs> no, um, look, there are there are benefits. You know, I think that the most the most obvious one, and look, I, I feel bad in generalizing, but that's what you're asking me to do, mm-hmm. right? So we're generalizing, right? Yeah. But do you remember that soft skill that we were talking about, the big one that's called empathy? Mm-hmm. I, I, and emotional intelligence and oh and communication ah oh, report and critical thinking i mean those are just things that us women you know built with both hemispheres in our brains working at the same time with the same level of activity because there's science behind this as well right when we when we everything that we do we 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 have both sides of the hemispheres all working at the same time with the same intensity um, you know, we just tend to fare very well with these soft skills. You know, we love to listen for Pete's sake. We do that since we are kids uh, in kindergarten. And so we, I do think that that's an edge. Yeah. I find it, um, I agree. I, I think there's a few edges. Um, but that's probably the most important one. I think there's an edge, and this sounds disparaging, but it's not meant that way. There's always an edge to being different. And so I remember hearing a tennis player once talk about he wished he'd been left-handed because left-handers have an inherent advantage in, in tennis because they're less regularly encountered. And so they have an edge. And certainly in some of the markets in which I work, finance, property, very, very male. And actually having a difference can be there. But the bit I find surprising, that no, and I'm glad you said it, um, and I would support it, is nobody ever talks about actually young women particularly, which is which is when we're entering the workforce, right, in, in our 20s. Um, every other bit of data from education tells us that they're ahead of men. They get, they, they get better results uh, academically in almost all countries. Why? Because they're more mature, they're better organised, um, they're, they're, they're clear about their focus to get things done. Um, and you would not have to do many online polls of dating in your teens in your 20s um who talks about themselves all evening in a in a boy girl relationship and who listens and almost invariably with the girl that listens and the boy that talks and so but nobody seems to admit that that women going into sales jobs in their 20s already have developed several of the attributes to quite a significant level that will make them good at sales that boys haven't yet yeah yeah no, uh, no, absolutely. And, you know, and but, but I, I don't think, look, I completely agree with you, but I, I do. I also think it's important to emphasize, to, to, to not forget that, you know, there are characteristics that are very, very much associated predominantly to, to men that I think us women should feel comfortable in developing you know I, I think that it's so much easier for men to be confident and assertive and put their foot down and to say no um and to delegate and to not let themselves be pushed around um and you know it will do us good to take a leaf out of that book and i think frankly we do um i think we do um, but also there was something that you said that I found was very interesting as well, which was, you know, if I were a man, white, Caucasian, whatever, uh, you know, man, male, 
in a male dominant, you know, if, and if I was, if I was thinking, oh, I wish I was different. Do you know what? I think that what's, what's beautiful about human beings is that regardless of who you are, whether you really are different or you really are not, right? Anybody can be different if they want to be different. And, and you can differentiate yourself in so many ways. I mean, you can even differentiate yourself in being exactly the same. I mean, look at Mark Zuckerberg differentiating with his plain white shirt. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane, right? I mean, how can you differentiate with a white shirt, for Pete's sake? Um, but, you know, when you have passion, the passion that you were talking about earlier, when you have passion, when you have purpose, when you have essence, when you know what you're talking about, really, whatever people, at least that's my experience, right? Whatever prejudice or bias somebody might have at the start of the engagement or the interaction with you, I find that it soon disappears. Why? Because you are talking about something that they care about. And if a conversation is valuable to them, then everything else becomes second, you know, secondary. Mm. Um, but that's not to say that what, you know, what this whole topic of women in sales is, is not relevant. It very much is. Because we need to get women to this level of confidence. And also, let's not forget, women that are going through the same old trap of product selling, you know, that's, that's you know, forget all of these soft skills we were talking, that's not going to help them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree uh, on, on, on all points. I just want to pick up one thing which you said there, which isn't linked to women in sales, but just to people and this little pet hate of mine when people say it is you can choose to change the way you behave at any stage of your life. Like I'll, I'll share how old I am. I'm 54. And I think about 10 years ago, I noticed friends saying things like uh, when they were admitting some failing of their own or maybe the way they've spoken to their partner or their child. Oh, that's just the way I am. It's my least favorite phrase in the English language. It's like, no, no, you're actively choosing to be the way you are. And, and it's just, it's not like, oh, at my age, I won't change. No, no, you can change at any stage you want to. The only thing that changes is your desire to change. You have desire to change, then, then right. you can change. You can learn new things. Right. You can take up an instrument. You can learn a new skill, whatever it might be. The only thing that stops you is your choice about not wanting to change. That's right. There are, there are three things, in my mind, only three things that you control, any one of us. It's the way that we act, the way that we react, and the way that we think, our mindset. Yeah. Our choice, right. Okay, Helga, we're running out of time, and that's more about your diary than mine, I know. Uh, you've got things to run off. Before you go, I'd like to share um, sources of inspiration with us. So one thing that I really enjoy, listening to good content or, or talking to other leaders in both in our world and in different worlds, is what inspires you? So what, what books, what speakers, what podcasts, what, what resources have you encountered at any stage in your career that have made you, um, that, that have stayed with you, that have changed your behavior, have changed your thinking? <laughs> okay. So, I mean, look, there are, I love, okay, here's the thing that I never, ever actually uh, admitted to anybody publicly. I don't think there's anything 
wrong with this. It's just me. I, I happen to really like Roman history and Richard Graves' book uh, about Claudius. Uh, it's just stayed with me um, <laughs> throughout my entire life. I just, I love that whole era of the Roman Empire and how they, you know, ascended to power and how they stayed in power, how Claudius stayed in power. I mean, he stayed in power throughout uh, three three emperors, I think it was, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, it was incredible. And then, so I don't know if this is any relevance, but it is something that I, I find it fascinating. So it must say something about my personality somehow down the line. I have no idea. I'll leave we'll, that we'll, to We'll get it analyzed, Helga. <laughs> analyze that um but you know obviously books like um the challenger i mean obviously chialdini you know all of the classics i i i i've read them and and have shaped my thoughts my my practices to where they are i i very much looking at today um i've i've been doing a lot of soul searching you know because i i i live in the world of sales innovation, right? Uh, I have to live in the world of the future of selling and innovation in selling. And because of that, I get to speak with people like yourself and amazing people from around the world. And there is something that's really resonating with me and really inspiring me today. And it's really two things. One is customization in, and, and, and the, the, this, this knowledge that to succeed in sales, whether it's cold calling or not today, you really have to learn to make your message relevant to the people. So it's really not about that mass communication. It's not about abusing these channels again. It's really about understanding your customer. And Rajiv Rajnation Nathan has been doing, you know, he, 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 he's a chief pitch artist and um, who's a rapper. And the yoga instructor, I mean, insane, right? But you look at all of the stuff he does and the originality is insane. I mean, to find people who speak in sales with authority and knowledge and then are original mm. is, is something that truly inspires me. So look him up for Pete's sake, right? Audience out there. Um, and then the 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 second um, I suppose source of inspiration that has really has impacted me. It's actually impacted me. Um, is Todd Capone. He just published his second book um, called The Transparent Leader. He this first book is called The Transparency Sale, and. He would never admit that this is a methodology, but I'm telling you, I mean, when, when this becomes a methodology, you know, I was saying to him, Todd, I, I was the first one to say it. I mean, he talks about making transparency your superpower. And, and then he is able to integrate transparency into the different stages of the sales process. So, oh my God, Paul, listeners, check this out. We are talking about being transparent about what you do, but more importantly, about what you not what you don't do. Being transparent about your vulnerabilities, the vulnerabilities of your product, and how you position those in the sales conversation and in your interactions with your um, potential buyer. And the book 
is so clever. And, and again, I'm going to use that word, original. These are two people that are original because once you've read the classics and you know, you're, you're now looking for inspiration, it's very difficult to find originality. And these two guys have buckets of it. Great. Love those. Not come across them before. So they're on my list. Uh, Helga, we're done. Thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure to speak to you, Paul. And I hope to see you again soon. I'll talk to you soon. Well, I hope so. Will you come back and, and talk um, Discovery? We book you in. I won't, I won't try and close you now, but we'll book you in for a Discovery <laughs> session. You can close me now. You're doing the right <laughs> thing. Absolutely, I will. Thank you to everybody that's been listening to us. And uh, I'll see you soon. And yes, we will. I'll, I'll be delighted. Thank you again okay, for we'll inviting me. We'll get that booked in. And uh, I'll, I'll mirror your message to listeners. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed it, Please tell one other person about it. And even more importantly, come back for the next episode. My name is Paul Owen, and you've been listening to the Sales Talent Podcast. <laughs>